welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey church, my name is VJ. I'm the lead pastor here at The Well. It's such a privilege to be with you um, on video. Uh, we're going to do something today that uh, maybe some of you have been waiting a long time to do. We're going to take the gifted test together. Some of you are like, oh, I always wanted to take that or I wanted to retake it. Uh, some of you are like, I never want it, but don't worry. It's not actually the gifted test. I'm really just testing you about what you know about gifted people. <laughs> okay, so tell me who this is about. Um, this gifted hero was given this piece of advice with great power comes great responsibility. You're already saying it out loud. I'm sure some of you, it's Spider-Man. All the versions of him, every film had it in. Okay, what about this one? It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Oh, that is the Dark Knight himself, Batman. The, he was gifted with lots of gadgets, okay? Um, okay, what about this one? You are much stronger than you think you are. Trust me. That's the Man of Steel, Superman, gifted with all kinds of stuff. And then, of course, this one. Speed. I am speed. This was famous in our house for several years. Lightning McQueen from the movie Cars. Now, in many ways, like dreaming about giftedness or being gifted or greatness is, is being great is something that we do from the time we're little. When we're little and we watch some of these movies or read comic books, we, we dream about being gifted like a superhero. As we get a little bit older in our 20s and 30s, we dream about um, being gifted in, you know, kind of uh, real ways in what we might accomplish or what we might create or who we might become or the impact we might have on the world or what kind of job we might have. And then as we get a little bit older, maybe we start to dream a little bit less about just how gifted we might be. Or maybe if we have kids, we transfer our dreams of giftedness to them, or we're going to put them in this program or make sure they play this sport or this skill, and we start living vicariously through them, their hopes or potential about being gifted. And then as you get a little bit older, you start dreaming about retirement, <laughs> where you can stop trying to be gifted or stop trying to be great or stop having to be, keep on being gifted or great. Then as you get a little bit, a little bit older, you dream about, as you get retired, you just dream about what you're going to eat for dinner that night, <laughs> uh, right? But this is a part of our um, DNA kind of from the time we're young to dream about giftedness, about greatness. And because of that, we can come to believe over time four truths. I put them in air quotes because they're not really true, but we believe that they're true about giftedness, about greatness. Um, we, we can dream or believe that this is me. In other words, this is who I am. We talked about this last week about how the standard or measures of success or what it means to be me, that the things we accomplish or what we become or what career we have or whatever, that's who I am. We can begin to believe this is the sum total of me. We can also uh, begin to believe that um, this is up to me. It's all up to me. 
Like this is on me to figure out, this is my plan. I have to have a plan. I have to seize opportunities. I have to create opportunities. It's up to me to you know, find my giftedness, discover it, use it, my destiny, my greatness. It's all up to me and on me. And that can feel like a heavy burden to bear, um, the stress, or perhaps maybe this third one that we believe is, uh, this will never be me. Maybe that comes after we've tried and failed or like, I can't figure it out. Like, I don't have the secret sauce that other people seem to have or I just don't have it enough or I'm confused about what I am supposed to be or, you know, what ways I'm gifted or what greatness even looks like for me or what I'm supposed to do with my life. It can, we can start to feel like, oh, this will never be me. And I suppose the big one we believe that's underneath all of that is this is all about me. <laughs> Right? Whether in success or failure, whether we're at the outset of our career or our dreams of giftedness or greatness, or maybe on the backside of that hill, whatever that is, underneath, whether we're succeeding or failing, I think we have to be honest about the fact that there is a narcissism that's involved in all of this, is that it's all about me. Now, here's the really good news, <laughs> which uh, I said to you a couple of weeks ago. We're not wrong for dreaming about being or becoming something or someone. It seems to be innate in us. It's this desire to be the me I want to be, the me I believe I can be, I'm supposed to be, was made to be, um, the, the better version or the best version of myself, me on my best day, where I'm heading, where I hope to be. That we're not wrong for that. God has actually wired us that way. Um, we, the, the things that we want for ourselves, the things that the me that, quite frankly, other people need me to be, <laughs> that my friends or my spouse or coworkers or whoever needs us to be, the parts of us that they want us to grow or become, like the person God made us to be. This is actually part of God's plan. It's his intention and his desire to do that for us. We were actually in this series and started this series um, on this whole premise that we have called Inspired. Um, new life from the inside out. And the idea of that is that God's means of making us more into the person that we're meant to be and supposed to be um, is by giving us his life, <laughs> that he actually gives us his spirit. That's why we use the word inspired. It means inspirited, that God gives us his life, his power, his strength, his presence to be on the inside of us and listen, that new person, the new life, is about transformation slowly but surely from the inside out. That that is God's way. His purpose is to make us into someone new. His way of doing that is to give us his spirit, his life, to live on the inside of us. And we started a series a couple weeks ago, so if you've missed it or uh, you missed any one of them, go back and listen because we talked about what does this look like, how this begins with a transformation, God's spirit, God's presence being breathed into our lives, poured into our lives, and slowly over time influencing us more and more, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, our relationships, that over time more and more we become a new person. But you might be wondering, well, okay, so that's the inside, but does the outside matter, right? Does, what about what we do or what we become, or the actions, or the external things, what shows up on the outside in our lives. Does that matter? Of course it does. I'm glad you asked, because this isn't just of the new life that God's um, you know, kind of bringing about in you, isn't just what goes on on the inside. This isn't just about internal zen, or some quiet thing that no one can ever see. No, it starts on the inside, but it begins to work its way out. And what does that look like? 
I want you to listen to a passage of scripture. It's by, um, uh, it's a letter by the Apostle Paul, and it's actually a different letter. We've been jumping around a lot during this series, but oftentimes landing with some of his words. He's kind of the one of the most prolific writers to the uh, early church in the Greco-Roman first century. Um, and it is actually about the way giftedness shows up in our life, but it's maybe a little bit different than we think it is. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Did you catch that great news? We're all gifted. Doesn't matter how you did on that test way back when, when you were in grade three. We're all gifted. Let's just say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. We're all gifted. Yes. And this actually kind of attacks or exposes one of the things we believe as a myth. That myth of like, oh, this will never be me. It's like, that's not true. We are all gifted. Look what um, he says in verse 7 um, in this passage. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Each of us. Every one of us. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the Spirit, that God's Spirit, um, is given to everyone who is in Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, when you begin to follow Jesus, when you say to Jesus, come into my life, be the leader and Lord and Savior and friend of, of my life, God's spirit is given to you, to each of us. There are no barriers um, of gender, ethnicity, or social class or age when it comes to God's spirit. God's spirit is given to everyone, and each of us gets a spiritual gift. So it's not true that this will never be me. Everyone gets a spiritual gift. But you mean by like, well, what, <laughs> what is spiritual giftedness? What is a spiritual gift? Um, <clears throat> one of your translations, the NIV, we didn't read that one, but it, you might read, to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Does that make it any clearer? No, right? That's weird. What does that mean? A manifestation of the Spirit. That's actually a really important word. Um, and here's, let me just, just define this. And this isn't like an authorized definition. Um, I didn't call any biblical scholars for this. But just my best understanding of reading this text and seeing this in my own life and studying this a little bit. A spiritual gift, listen, is a specific way that Jesus makes himself seen and heard, and felt, and known through an ordinary human being. A spiritual gift is a specific way that Jesus makes himself seen, and heard, and felt, and known through an ordinary human being. <clears throat> Why do I say it that way? Look at what he says in verse 12. 
this is, a, this is the analogy or metaphor he's bringing in. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. He's talking about each of us as individuals and our spiritual gifts, different body parts, but we make up one body. Whose body is it? Not just any body. It's the body of Christ. In other words, the same way that Jesus was seen and heard and felt and known and touched and hugged and hung out with when he literally walked the earth in flesh and blood, now Jesus is seen and heard and known and felt and experienced through the flesh and blood, you and I, of his body. It's Jesus showing up, Jesus making himself seen and heard and known and felt and experienced through the body parts, you and I, his, uh, the flesh and blood people who live together as the church that Jesus shows up through us. That is what a spiritual gift is. It's a particular way that Jesus makes himself known and seen and visible through a whole bunch of ordinary human beings together. Jesus is made visible. The body of Christ is seen and heard and known. In that sense, like <clears throat> a spiritual gift is not a talent, okay? God doesn't give you the spiritual gift of public speaking. I mean, that would be nice because apparently people fear public speaking more than death, um, most people, but it's not a talent. It's not, a spiritual gift is not a talent. Oh, I have the spiritual gift of public speaking. Um, a, a spiritual gift is not a skill. God doesn't give us the spiritual gift of mathematics. Some of you have been praying for that. You just need to stop praying. It's never going to happen. Get a tutor. Okay, it's not going to come from the Holy Spirit. It's a, a spiritual gift is not a skill. It's not the skill of mathematics or something like that. And it's not a job. It's not like this. the Spirit gives you the gift of being a, um, a professional actor. Okay, it's not a job that you get. That's not, it's not a talent. It's not a skill. It's not a job. It's a way, a particular way that Jesus shows up through individuals, like makes himself seen and heard and known and visible and, and experienced through ordinary people. And so we can say, hey, I don't need to say anymore, oh, that will never be me. Each one of us has a spiritual gift. Each one of us has a way, a unique way, in which Jesus shows up in our lives. But secondly, I think we need to address the, the, another myth that, that we believe that comes up this. It's not who you are. It's not your identity. Even though each one of us has a spiritual gift, it's not your identity. This isn't like Superman sort of born on the planet Krypton and from birth has this special power sent to earth. These aren't things we are born with. Um, okay, your identity, who you are, is that you are a son and daughter of God. You have been, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, um, rescued from sin, rescued from being alone, rescued from death, brought into God's family, you now belong to God and each other as part of the family of God. That's your identity. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. You are loved and valued and chosen, adopted by him to be his son or daughter. Your identity is that you are loved and called and chosen and brought as a part of the family of God. That's your identity. Your spiritual gift is not who you are. Okay, this isn't like 
um, all of the superheroes where it's their identity or their secret identity. It is who they are. And so their whole journey is figuring out this spiritual, supernatural gift because it's who they are. So they have to figure out, oh, I'm a hero or someone, you know, I've been called by the universe or by this planet or by whatever to do this special thing because it's who I am and I'm the only one who can do it. And therefore I have to come to terms with the fact that this is who I am and maybe then my friends won't know really who I am or my friends are going to reject me or like Peter Parker, I'm going to end up on the news or whatever and people aren't going to like me because it's who I am and I can't get away from that. Your spiritual gift is not your identity. It's not who you are. It is a gift, but it's not something we wear as like, this is who I am, therefore I have to find it, otherwise I'm nothing, right? It's not like what we said, those other things the, that the world wants to mold us into and say, you have to be this because what you do is who you are. That's not what this is about. <clears throat> Thirdly, I think we need to be able to say, uh, we, it dispels the myth that it's not all up to you. Look at what he says in verse 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You don't get to decide what spiritual gift you have. You don't have to decide that. It's not up to you. It's not on you to try to decode this mystery and, and, and the, or to say, oh, I want this one or whatever. It's the spirit who actually gives gifts as the spirit decides, which is a huge relief to us, right? It just frees us from the striving of having to be great and do great and define our giftedness and um, to say, well, it's, oh, it's what I do or I compare ourselves to others. I don't seem like that. So what's my contribution and how? And of course, what we do matters, right? The world needs people who are willing to do things and take risks and bring healing and restoration and kindness and life and creativity and new ideas. And the stuff we do matters, but it's not up to us in this strive. It's not God saying, okay, here, I'll put you on the earth now. Figure this out and do something great. No, the, it says here, the spirit decides and gives gifts. It's the will and the work of God. It's God's work. And therefore, God decides how he's going to work and in what ways. That should relieve us hugely of the stress and the striving of having to figure this out. Okay, so we don't say, oh, that'll never be me, because each one of us has at least one gift. Likewise, we don't say, that is me, because it's not our identity. It's not who we are. We are loved and chosen and belong to God no matter what we do. Um, likewise, it's not all up to me to try to figure out. But okay, so what does that mean? Like, how do we actually figure out our gifts? How do we actually use them if this is true? If this is one of the key ways that Jesus shows up or the, or the outward part of our lives that begins to do stuff in the world, how do we figure out what those are? And, and listen, this is where the church, I think, historically, and it would seem even from this letter, um, and for 2,000 years, and, and no one's immune to this, have, have misstepped in kind of misunderstanding. And, and here's why. Because of the biggest lie, I would say, or the myth that we believe about giftedness and greatness is that it's, that it's all about me. <laughs> and here's what this passage says in a, in a very loving, <laughs> gentle, but powerful way. It's not all about you. Spiritual gifts are not about you. They're about Jesus and about everyone else, Right? The spiritual gifts are not about you. They're actually about Jesus and about everyone else. Look what he says in verse 6 and 7. It kind of describes this very succinctly and beautifully. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. It's not us. It's God. It's about him and his work. And it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. 
It's not about you. It's about God and his work and about the other people that we are meant to help through the gifts. And here's what we need to realize, and it's not intuitive necessarily we think about, oh, what spiritual gift do I have? Yes, each one of us is given a spiritual gift, but it's a gift that so that Jesus shows up to other people through you. In other words, the spiritual gifts are not for you, they're for others through you, right? It's like God wants to give other people a gift through your life. In a sense, your spiritual gift is not for you, it's for others, but it's given to be you. So Jesus shows up through you to other people. You get that? It's not a gift for you, it's for other people. It's the way Jesus shows up to other people so they can see and know and hear and experience him through you, through your life. I'm going to give you a couple of examples just from some of the um, spiritual gifts that he mentions in this passage. And I think it's important to know, like, this is not an exhaustive list. These are all the spiritual gifts. He's trying to help them understand, hey, God shows up in a variety of ways. Like each of us, he's trying to stress this point that each of us is wired differently, but it's all about Jesus. And God uses a variety of people in a variety of ways so that in totality, Jesus is seen and heard and felt and known. So let's think about the example of here of, of the gift of wisdom, or it says here, um, giving wise advice in the NLT translation. If you have the spiritual gift of wisdom, whose wisdom is it? It's the wisdom of Jesus. It's Jesus' wise words, Jesus' wise counsel, all the many things that Jesus taught. People kept saying, wow, he teaches with such wisdom or such authority. It's Jesus' wisdom. But let me ask you, if Jesus' wisdom is showing up through your life, who's going to feel, who's going to benefit from the wise advice? Who's going to benefit from the wise counsel about what to do in this situation, that decision? Who's going to benefit from the counsel of, of what wise words to say? Or who's going to receive that and go, oh, that's wise. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to do that. It's the other people. It's not you. <laughs> you are just a conduit. If you have the spiritual gift of wisdom, it's Jesus' wisdom that shows up to other people and they receive the benefit of his wisdom through your ordinary life. That's what the spiritual gift of wisdom is. Or it says here, the spiritual gift of healing. Whose healing power is it? It's Jesus. It's not yours. Jesus is the healer. Jesus healed everywhere he went when he was on earth. We read so many accounts of people healing and then people healing in Jesus' name. It's Jesus who has the power to heal. Well, if you have the spiritual gift of healing, who's receiving the benefit of that healing? You? No. The people you pray for, for healing. The people who come to you with sicknesses and you contend for them to be healed. And hopefully you see healing from it. And I've talked to friends who have the gifts of healing. They don't work on themselves. Jesus didn't give them the gift of healing to pray for themselves. They need other people with the gifts of healing to pray for them when they're sick, just like they pray for others when they're sick. Why? Because we need each other. This isn't like, oh, I can do this for myself and I'm independent or whatever. It's not my power and it's not actually my gift. I don't receive the gift of healing. God, Jesus heals other people through my prayers, through if you have the gift of healing. That's how it works. It's not to you, it's through you to others. And here's the interesting thing, what's cool, right? We all get at least one, maybe one or two or a few. But in a sense, we, all, we each get all of them. Why? Because 
as everybody else uses their gifts, if the gifts are not about, not to me, but through me, that means as everybody else is using their gifts, I get the benefit of other people's gifts. I receive the benefit of other people's generosity if they have the gift of generosity. I receive the gift of hospitality if other people have the gift of hospitality when they host me in their home or just, you know, take you out for a coffee and like, you know, make you feel welcome and listen to. I get the gift of mercy when others who um, know I'm going through a hard time call me up. Like you, if you um, are in a body that has lots of gifts, like with the spiritual gifts, you may only have one or two, but you get them all. You get the impact of them all. As each one of us uses our gifts, we all get more of Jesus. Isn't that so cool? As each one of us uses our gifts, we all get more of Jesus. So how do you know if you have a gift? Well, anyone who's in Christ gets the Spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago. When you say yes to Jesus and following him, this isn't like he's way down the road and some far off example that you could never quite catch up to. He says, no, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to pour my strength and my wisdom and everything into you. I'm going to give you my Spirit. So you get the Spirit, and if you get the Spirit, you have at least one gift. We know if, but what are the gifts? How do we know what our spiritual gifts are? And here's what I think is so significant. Um, you don't, um, this isn't like uh, Peter Parker who gets stung by a radioactive, bitten by a radioactive spider, and then he's alone in his room and he starts to figure out, oh my gosh, I have this gift. I can stick to walls. Um, I have muscles I didn't have before. I have spidey sense. I can sense when something bad is about to happen or when one of my loved ones is in trouble. And now all I have to do is summon the courage to go figure out, um, to, to go use the gifts that I know I have. That's not how it works. You don't like figure out what your gifts are and then go serve and bless other people with them. No, no, you actually go and serve and bless other people inside the church, outside the church, where you work, where you live, where you, your, your church family, everything. You go and serve, and as you do, you start to figure out what your gifts are. Because it's the Spirit that decides who gets them, when, and how, and in what way. We don't figure them all out. It's not like written on the back of your eyelids, right? It's not like, oh, I'm just going to read the instruction manual of VJ or whoever, and I'm going to figure out my spiritual gifts. No. As you go serve and love and care for other people, you start to discover just how Jesus is showing up in your life to them. Because who is going to um, benefit from your spiritual gifts? It's other people. And so who's going to feel the impact of Jesus showing up to them? They are. In a sense, people will figure out your spiritual gifts before you have. You get that? Other people will, if you have the spiritual gift of encouragement, they will feel encouragement, encouraged, and you know, like your note got them off the floor that day or got them out of bed that day or got them through a hard thing. You didn't know you had it. You were just thinking, oh, I should share with them or I got this verse. I want to call them and find out how they're doing. They felt like Jesus was in the room picking them up saying, come on, you can do another day. Come on, you can persevere in this marriage. Come on, you can fight through this sickness. They felt Jesus showing up to them. They felt the impact of Jesus. Not like you feel like electricity going through your fingers while you're typing this encouraging text to someone. It's not how it works. They feel the impact of Jesus. You were just doing what you thought you should do. They might be discovering the gifts you have before you do as you go and serve other people. In my own life, like this is how it's worked. Like I uh, have come to realize in the last few years that I have the spiritual gift of teaching. I think that's what I, I have. And one of uh, the way to describe the spiritual gift of teaching is um, that 
when I speak about God or explain scripture or whatever, people are able to hear God speaking to them. People are able to understand Jesus better and know Jesus better and want to love and follow Jesus better or trust him with their lives. That, that when I teach somehow it, it creates, it's not just knowledge, but like people actually feel like they can see and hear Jesus and they want to love and follow Jesus. Now, that may sound intuitive to you because you're like, oh, well, you're the pastor of a church, or that may sound arrogant and you think like, whatever. But I'm like, no, no, I never thought I would do this. I never knew I had the spiritual gift of teaching, and I don't know when that even happened. I never planned. I never studied teaching. I didn't go to school to be a teacher, and I never thought I would be a pastor in a church in this kind of capacity at all. I was a part of this church when it started with my wife and many other volunteers, and I was serving in music. Like I was playing guitar in the band and just helping out with different things, as many people were. And then um, our pastor, uh, lead pastor at the time, like tears his sternum on a Saturday and needs someone to preach on Sunday. And they called me because there's no one else around. In fact, he wasn't even calling me to ask me if I would preach because I certainly didn't think that. He just called me and said, oh, I tore my sternum. I'm like, oh, that's too bad. We should get a Andy Stanley video for tomorrow. And my wife, who actually has the spiritual gift of encouragement, who didn't know it at the time, is saying in my other ear, you should preach, you should preach. I'm thinking, what? Like, I've never preached. How could I preach? It's tomorrow. I mean, thank God we didn't record stuff back then because it was probably way too long and horrendous. But I just did it because they looked down the bench and there was nobody else on the bench. That was the spiritual reason, okay? It just did. I happened to be the person he called. I was supposed to lead worship the next day. So I got up, sang, took off my guitar, and then preached a bad sermon, right? But that was how it began for me. But one thing led to another. And I started feeling these burdens of like, when I'd read something in scripture, I'm like, oh, I want to tell someone. I want to write this down. I would scribble down random notes. I would want to study and read more. And listen, that's not me. Like I, I made it through my undergrad because I wanted to work in the industry that I was studying. I was not interested in study. I was not a good student. And yet suddenly I was a good student. Suddenly I loved studying and reading and learning more about God's word and listening to podcasts and talking to other people. There was this growing thing in me. And then every Thursday night, I'd preach when I, when I became a pastor, I'd preach my run through to Jen, you know, in our room and she, uh, in our house. And she's pregnant with, um, with, I think, Gideon at the time. And so sometimes she's crying when she's listening to the sermon. And I'm thinking, oh no, what did I say? Or maybe it's just the hormones or whatever. But she was like, no, that's so powerful. I feel Jesus showing up. I didn't know what I'm just like saying what I thought God had given me to say. And she was feeling the spiritual impact and using her gift of encouragement, which again, at the time she didn't know she had, we know she has it now, to encourage me to go on there on Sunday and just speak what I had been put on my heart. One thing led to another. I didn't know. I was just willing to say yes and go. And over time, you start to see God showing up in me, in her, through her to me, and hopefully through me to other people. Many of you who are serving um, out in the marketplace, in your jobs, in your neighborhoods, in the church, you know this. Um, and certainly those of you who helped start this church, you just started doing stuff. You started showing up and helping and being willing to say yes. And over time, you've started to discover your spiritual gifts as other people have said to you, hey, when you said that to me or when you wrote me or when you did that thing or when we came over to your house or when you gave us that check, like we felt loved, cared for, seen. Jesus showed up to us through your life. How do you know until you start doing it? until you're there. Many of that has been your experience. And I would say that this, we need to be able to tell others um, what are the impact they've had on us. Don't Please, we're Canadians, so we don't gush. We don't follow up and say thank you so much, or we'll just say thank you, polite, please. And, but like, hey, when you called me, I really needed it. When you prayed for me, I felt spiritual power. 
when we went out for coffee, I just felt so loved and listened to her. You've helped me grow in my faith. Those are all kinds of spiritual gifts. Don't worry about if you know what the gift is. Just tell people the impact. Tell them the way Jesus showed up to you through them. That's how we begin to know what our spiritual gifts are. And this isn't just a theoretical exercise. or It's intensely practical. And I would say, in some senses, urgent. Because I have a burden to share with you about something. We've been talking about spiritual gifts, but there's another thing that I feel like God has given to our church as a gift. And let me say it this way. If you take um, Gen Z and Gen Alpha and the kids of millennials, so kids 18 and under fall in that category. Gen, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, and children of millennials. There's overlaps between all those categories. They are the least um, religious, least churched uh, generation ever least connection to faith and religion in general, and certainly Christian faith in Jesus himself. In fact, many churches in our country are closing, literally because the congregation is passing away, and there's no young people, no young families, no youth, no young adults that are coming in behind them. Churches are disappearing. Our church, almost a third of our church are under 18. Like almost about, we have over 180 youth and kids. This is, to me, an unusual gift. It's unusual because it's not true in every church in the world and every church in our country, for sure. And it's something unique that God, there are other churches, we're one of them, that God has given this incredible gift of the next generation. And we, as a leadership team, um, our staff and elders feel the burden, and we've said, hey, for the next 10 years, our goal is to help equip and disciple and come alongside and love and serve and launch this generation into the world that's coming so they can lead, so they can discover their gifts and use them to bless this world. Um, they're, they're a large generation and they're going to have an impact. And we have a responsibility with the people that we have. In other words, to use our gifts to serve them and to help them discover their gifts um, in, in, in the way that God has called them to live and serve in the church and outside the church. And I want you to listen in this conversation with a couple of people who are involved in that ministry uh, in your local site here and how God has shown up to them and through them. And even if they can't put the words of spiritual gifts around it, how they've seen Jesus show up as they've served, particularly and the sense of urgency and, and beauty and power of working with this next generation. I want you to listen. Uh, hey, well, fam, we just want to take a little bit of time this morning to talk to you a little bit about our kids ministry. And joining me today, we have Hannah, who is our site uh, kids lead. Uh, and we also have Nina, who is a guide with the kids ministry here at the Vaughn site. Um, so I just am going to ask them a couple of questions and they're just going to share a little bit about their experience with all of you. Uh, so Nina, we want to start with you and just ask, how have you seen God show up uh, or, you know, kind of do his thing as you've been involved with our kids ministry? Yeah. So for me, kids are so honest and earnest about pretty much everything. So for them, believing in God and believing that, you know, he loved us so much that he sent his only son on our behalf is kind of like a no brainer. It's like, well, yeah, of course that happened. You know, he loves us. Why wouldn't it? Um, so it's been really refreshing for me to see how God works with that, you know, childlike faith and that honesty to build and uh, build on it and get them to ask, you know, more questions 
complex questions. Um, and yeah, they're just so curious and honest about it all. Yeah. Yeah, kids do say the darndest things. Is I think that was like a TV <laughs> show from like decades ago, but it's like it holds up to this day, I think. Um, Hannah, for you, why are you personally passionate about Kidsmen? Um, so for me, like I love seeing the kids grow and like partnering with the kids and in the families and seeing how like there might be a kid who really does not want to come. Like they don't want anything to do with it. They'll come and they sit in like the top corner and they just kind of like frown at you as if you're the worst person. But then like, as they keep coming every week and their parents are maybe forcing them a little bit at first to like come and sit, you can see them kind of moving a couple rows closer. And then you might see a smile or like they'll contribute something when you ask like, what was your favorite food that you ate this week? Or maybe they'll play a game and then you can see how they like develop relationships with all, all their peers. And I think like you can really just see how God is working in these kids' lives as they start to become more comfortable and that like the church really becomes their family and then they're really excited to be there. And then all of a sudden this kid who didn't want anything to do with us at the beginning is running. Like they're the first ones there. They're the most engaged. Like they have so much to say. And then you can see them like bringing other kids along in that. I think that that is so beautiful. And then also I just love like working with the teams of people that are also very passionate about working with the kids. I think that's so beautiful to see as well. Yeah. So I'm hearing that there's a lot of leadership that we're even seeing from the kids. Mm -hmm. It's not just you stepping in and leading, but they're actually doing a lot of that work themselves. Yeah. Very cool. Or like they will want to do the kit, like they'll want to do the tech in the service and then like they're helping with the kids tech. And then you see them one day and they're helping with the adult tech. It's so good. That's so good. Ah, I love to hear that. Nina, for you, what has been kind of the biggest surprise for you as you've been working in Kidsmen? Honestly, it's how easy it is as a guide. <laughs> um, <Okay>. So we <laughs> didn't tell her to say that. <laughs> you're there to support the teacher. But really, at the heart of things, your primary role is to just connect and have fun with the kids so that they feel welcome um, and loved. And that's really, that's just awesome to be there. And it's really not that difficult to do, honestly. Okay, well, we love that answer. I hope everybody's listening. Um, and sorry, Mina, so last kind of question for you. What are you learning about yourself, about the kids, about God as you've been serving through through the ministry? I think primarily for me, so kids, they find joy in the simplest of things, and that tends to snowball into this great love of life. Um, and so I think for me, it's been a really great reminder to remember the the joy and the love of life that we can find finding God, whether that be in the simple things or the big things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a just a pure, straightforward message. Thanks for that. Um, Hannah. I'm coming to you and, you know, maybe we're talking about Nina, maybe we're talking more broadly. I'm not sure, but can you tell us all what makes a great volunteer for kids ministry? I think just like an openness. I think mm -hmm. that we so often feel like, oh, I'm not called to kids ministry because I don't have kids or I'm not a teacher or I've never worked with kids before, but like there have been so many volunteers that we've had that have no experience with kids and they love it just the same. Like I think God I remember someone once telling me that like God doesn't call the qualified, 
but like qualifies the called and that when you step into these roles, like there's so many people praying for you and we spend time praying every morning, like just be open to um, like enjoying your time with the kids is one thing. Um, and then like, sometimes we just need you to like let loose and have fun. Like you may make a little bit of a fool of yourself. Like this morning I like made some big loud noise and probably looked like a big fool, but like the kids enjoy it and the kids just want to have fun with you. And like Nina said, like, as long as you're willing to connect with the kids, mm-hmm. it's so good. And you don't have to be the loudest person. Like there's so many kids that don't want the loudest person, like that I can be very intimidating to those kids, but that maybe there's a bunch of the quieter kids that um, really want someone like them to connect with. And you could totally be that person. Okay. Yeah, that's great. All sorts of people are needed because there's all sorts of different personalities in our kiddos. That's so good. Um, So Hannah, I think you can answer this one as well. What are some of the needs that we have in our kids ministry like right now? So uh, we could always use more guides. So like Nina said, like the person that's there to kind of support the teacher, depending on the teacher that may look like just playing with the kids after in like smaller groups or potentially running some sort of like super small, super simple, small group activity. Um, And then if you feel like you'd like to teach, we also need teachers. So it's nothing super crazy. Like I have all of the curriculum prepared for you. We give you all of the materials, everything you need. Just have to kind of organize your morning. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'd like to teach. Or we could also use people that are willing to be like our supply in like this culture uh, and like the time of sickness that we have like so often there are people that are sick the morning of and then we need someone to fill in so maybe you'd like to be that person as well great so lots of options for people if they want to get involved and if they do want to get involved how can they go about doing that how can they start how can people start serving with kids ministry so come talk to me or (laughs) megan and megan will connect you with me Um, so we'll do first what we call a first serve. So you can decide if you'd like to be with our preschool kids or our school age kids, or maybe you want to try a first serve in both and then decide because I think school age can be a little bit intimidating for some people, but you don't know until you try. So maybe do a first serve in both and then you can decide where you feel is the better fit, where you feel God is calling you to be more. And then we'll put you on the schedule. Uh, you give us block out dates and then we work around that. Most of the time you'll serve maybe once a month. Great. So it's a once a month commitment sort of thing, unless you're a supply and then it might be a little bit less. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, any other last thoughts from either of you that you want to share about kids men and what it's like to serve there? I would just encourage you to step out of your comfort zones a little bit. I yeah. think that it's, uh, it can be scary to think about taking on something like this, um, but there's no pressure. So come and do a first serve. There's no commitment after a first serve. So if you get it and you feel like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I am terrified after you finished a Sunday, then that's totally fine. We're not going to hold it against you. But so many people do the first serve being kind of hesitant and then they finish the Sunday and they're like, man, I can't wait to come back. So I would just encourage you to step into what God might be calling you into, even if it's outside of your comfort zone. Awesome. Sounds good. Nina, any last minute thoughts? Uh, I would just like to say that I was one of those people who like did my first serve and I was like, I don't know about this going in. And then I came out of it like, yep, let's do it. So yeah, step out of your comfort zone. There you go. 
well, that's it from us. Thanks everybody for listening. And again, if you'd like to get more involved with Kidsman, you can talk to Hannah or myself. Thanks. I mean, I hope that was uh, inspiring and encouraging for you. But if I can be honest, maybe some of us are like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm glad somebody's doing that. It's not for me, right? It's easy to sort of go, well, oh, I don't have the spiritual gift of working with kids <laughs> or I don't have the spiritual gift of teenage cool. Trust me, nobody has that except teenagers. They're just that way. <laughs> the rest of us don't have that. It's not a spiritual gift, right? In fact, spiritual gifts don't tell us what kind of service we will do. They actually just... Um, tell us how Jesus is going to show up as we do whatever we decide to do. In other words, so you don't have to have the specific gift of working with kids. Now, I get there's some people really, they're, they're able to like relate to kids that way, but they aren't the only people who should be serving the next generation. In fact, if you're a part of this church, we should all kind of collectively feel the burden of saying, if this is an incredible, um, rich gift that Jesus has given our church, all these young people, a third of them under the age of 18 in our church, uh, how do we walk with them together? It's all of our responsibility in some way. Like if you have the gift of encouragement, you can encourage young people. This is a generation that's being labeled and being told that they're, you know, they're snowflakes, they're not resilient, or they, you know, they're struggling with epidemic levels of anxiety and depression and fear. Like we have a role to spiritually encourage them just by being around them, getting to know them, serving in youth or kids. If you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you can host some youth groups or um, um, parents of young kids, you know, like parents, of, like millennial parents who've got young kids at their home. You can work in kids' ministries. You create a hospitable space. You might even work under the check-in because hospitality isn't about like, I know how to bake. It's about, I know how to welcome people with the welcome of God. You might be the person at the check-in table there and you have the gift of hospitality. You might not know it until you start doing it. You love to welcome people and kids when they come in on a Sunday, the face they see, right? Tells them, oh, am I welcome here? Am I noticed? Was I expected to be here? You might have the gift of helps, and so you could come alongside as a helper in one of our classes or just do setup, or perhaps, um, um, you know, you have the gift of intercession, which is praying. You could ask to be on the youth uh, or kids email uh, thing, even if you don't have youth or kids or you don't have them anymore in that. So you can know what's going on in youth groups so you can pray, or you can be on the setup team and set up the kids' rooms every week and pray as you're setting it up. Pray for the space. See, these are all ways spiritual gifts can be used in a myriad of ways. If you have the gift of mercy, just being around, being a voice. We have you know, small group leaders at youth group and on, on Sundays with our kids who just listen, who love being close to those. Like it's so easy for a kid or a young person to feel on the outside, to feel unnoticed. Someone with the gift of mercy sees those who are on the outside or who are in need. So there's so many different ways you can get involved in this. And I would just say, let's all do our part to say, man, this is an incredible gift God has given us. And so if you want to figure out how to get involved in some way, you can email Melissa Urich. Um, her email address is there, and that's uh, she oversees our kids and youth, but you can email her specifically about youth. But then Kate Tompkins leads our senior high. You can email her if you're interested in our grade nines to 12s and working with them in some way, or how you can pray for them, or whatever. You just feel a stirring in you to get involved or Dwayne Yukuma for our junior highs. And practically, in whatever way you might see yourself being involved, would love to invite you to come to a, an online training that we have. It's an hour and a half on June 7th. It won't take long. You can do it from the comfort of your own home with a nice cup of coffee or whatever. 
Um, and that's at the well.ca slash training. And that's for anyone interested in working with our youth or our kids, just to give you a sense of what kind of environment are we trying to create for them.